back in and speak to the king. He goes in and says to the king, O king, give me some time to pray and sort this out. And he goes and sees some fellow Jews are with him and he says, we need to cry out for mercy. We need to cry out to God for mercy that not only we will be saved, but also the nation will be saved. And I say that because when you read later in the story, his grace went further than just to him. It went to the whole nation. And they waited and they prayed and they spent an evening. And it says near the beginning end of the, in the end of the chapter, Daniel received revelation from the vision of what this dream was. And he goes back to the king and he says to the king this. He says to the king in verse 24... No wise, sorry, the king said, are you able to tell me what my dream was and the interpret it? Same question he's asked the futurists. Same question, because the question deep inside our community never changes. What is my future? What's the future look like for me, my family, the people I love, the things that are important to me? Daniel's answer starts the same, but ends in such a different place. No wise man can, or enchanter, or magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who has revealed mysteries. This God in heaven, he says, has revealed to me, for your benefit, Nebuchadnezzar, what your dream is about. Not that I'm better than anyone else, he says but that the king might know the truth. And I want to say to you, Jubilee, the call on you, the call on us as the people of God is to stand with confidence and say, we don't know the answer. In ourselves. we're as, as adrift as the futurist, but there is a God. There is a God. When you face in your own life, you say, what do I do? What's my future? What's the choices ahead of us? In a room this size, there'll be some of you making choices about jobs, some of you about relationships, some of you about what God's called you to. Before I even get to what has God collectively called you to as the people of God here in Croydon taking the gospel, there will be unknown answers. But our answer should be the same as, as, as Daniel's, which was, but God. But God, the God of the impossible. And I just want to close with just three thoughts. Right? I said it's going to be short preach, three thoughts, and then uh, we'll be done by 12. What, is, what, are, what are the takeaways from this story? First of all, when Daniel... Here's this news from the captain of the host. His response was not panic. His response was not despair. It was not going, what on earth has happened to my world? What does my future look like? What, is, what, what, what happens here? You see, the reward for Daniel and the reward for you and I as believers is on the day of the impossible, the day of the unknown, is the blessing of a calm confidence. There is a calm confidence that is your spiritual inheritance in the day of the unknown. 
And, and I want to tell you that I have the beautiful privilege, like Neil and like Angus, other leaders, of walking with people towards... I'm walking with a couple at the moment in our church in the natural towards glory. A lady who, who in all naturalhood will pass away. In fact, we've got a few people like that. And I'm always amazed at the calm confidence I see in believers who have a settled sense that actually they have a future that is secure and eternal. Daniel's response was not one of panic. And I want to say to you that not knowing the future doesn't mean that we then have anxiety coming to us. What we have is a calm confidence. And why does Daniel have that? Because his confidence, this is my second point, is based on the knowledge of God. He's based on his knowledge of God, not the immediate revelation of what the future will be. You don't need to know all the future to have a calm confidence and to begin to respond to the unknown. Daniel is standing outside. The captain of the host comes to him, tells him what's happening. He's heard exactly what the futurists have heard. And Daniel's response was to then say, I'm going into the king. I'm going into the king. What was happening is Daniel was not in a position where uh, he was removed from this. He is intertwined in the Babylonian story. He's intertwined into Nebuchadnezzar's decision making. We, the people of God, are not removed from the communities we live in. We're not removed from the society that we are serving and God has placed us amongst. Even if that society increasingly is based on values and decisions that we would say are not biblical based. And the choice really is... What do you do in that day? Do you withdraw and hunker down? And do you say, well, we just need to, to just, just be a, a separate community? Or do you make a move towards society? Do you make a move towards Nebuchadnezzar? My father lives in America and uh, remarried an American lady about 20 years ago. Um, he's a widower, very married, a lovely lady. And uh, at the beginning of this year, me and my brother were visiting America. They live in the Midwest, so um, uh, those who are a certain generation will remember, um, like Dukes of Hazzard and places, things like that. Hillbillies, that's my, my American family, all hillbillies. It's quite fun when we all get together. Um, and, uh, and so, in the community they live in, um, a lot of American homes have basements, and uh, they're quite keen on, on putting stores aside. Um, so they store things in their basement. So they have canned goods and shampoos. and, and It looks like a little mini supermarket. They've got space. And you go down there and you look at this thing and like, you know, I, I get in trouble if I have two bottles of, soup, of shampoo in the house. It's like, why have we got so much shampoo in the house? I go to my stepmother's house. They've got ten bottles of shampoo and there's two of them living in there. And these are big bottles. I mean, I'm, I'm like, how much shampoo? And my dad's got as much hair as I have. I'm like, shampoo do you use what's that about it's a known thing coming out of the pandemic that the amount of stock that the midwest holds in their basement has gone up by 300 percent oh by the way most of these people are also christians because they're fearful of what the future will bring you can't trust the government we don't know what's happening you know it's a terrible time and it is a terrible time 
And I make no political point, whoever the government is. No, I don't trust the government. I'm not hostile, I trust God. But the choice we make in this uncertain future and in the time where the society is changing around us, and I, I make no criticism of that, but you know the differences are emerging. My encouragement to you from this story is, not just have a calm confidence that God is for you. Not just know that he is in control even when you don't know the future. It's to be like Daniel to move towards society. To move towards your community. Move towards the Nebuchadnezzars in your life. And to say, ignore the other voices. I am going to pray. The power of prayer. We, we have a privilege in our Auckland congregation of um, hosting warm spaces. And I have to say, it's, um, in, we, we're in the middle of a shopping centre. Um, and we sold our main building. We thought, God's sake, be in high streets and place of prominence. We're in a building temporarily. We, we might be out there in 10 weeks' notice. They're not sure what the future is. This is a big, impossible. We don't know what God's doing. We don't know where any of our congregations are landing. Um, there's a lot of unknowns for Hope Church this time. So you can see how this fits for us. You know, calm, confidence, move towards community. And we started this warm spaces in a room that is not that warm, to be honest. It's got very poor heating. We just have some chairs, not even as comfortable as your chairs, and some round tables. And I, 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 some of the churches, I was like, oh, that's really nice. But inside, there's a little bit like, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Especially as there are like every other church in town is doing this. And they've got sofas and cooked meals and we've got soup and a roll. And, but what we had was three people who are but God people. They're but God people. They're like, but God's asked us to go. God's asked us to be here. And there's a guy, Colin, who used to be a bouncer. Um, I think I'm still probably the biggest guy in the room, right? He's my size, but fit. What's your name, mate? Neil. No, Sarah Neil. No, he's a solid man. Like, there's a, someone here who's solid, right? He's like Neil, right? That's all right, mate. Don't move then. So just stay there. Because from where I'm looking with my poor guy's sight, you look solid. You know, there's some people I've got to stay to. Colin is that sort of guy. He's a bouncer. And you know, what he also is, he's an evangelist. He believes everyone needs to hear about Jesus. And he just stands out there. And he's like, young Greek. We've got food in here. You want to come in here? No, you don't. Let me tell you about church. Over six, seven weeks, we now get 17, 18 people there. We've seen three homeless people housed. We've seen two people saved. And we've made dozens of friends. Because he's a but God person. Because he went towards society, not pulled back. Because he actually, in that room, it's quite a beautiful thing. We have got senior citizens who are probably the most fearful about the homeless on our street and some of the the least um, received and most complicated lives all eating together and fellowshipping. They don't even realise they're fellowshipping. These are unbelievers just because the people of God step forward. Let me close by saying this. In stepping forward and that's my encouragement. And in opening your coffee shop again, please pray for that. I mean, what, what, what's that God does? What's, is God really interested in a commercial coffee shop? Of course he's not. He's interested in the people that come to your coffee shop, that then connect with you here, that realise there's a church here. Can I tell you, Sainsbury's on their tills are not telling the people up there, oh, by the way, when you finish shopping, pop downstairs, there's Jubilee down there, you have a lovely morning. Well, they will if you know them. They will if you befriend their staff. They will if you are around the space and you bring 
the aroma of Christ. You pray for their community. You paint Simon and say, Lord, in your mercy, yes, save us. Obviously, do us good. But bless the community. Because what happened was, once Daniel received this word, he said, don't kill the futurists. It's really peculiar that, isn't it? I read that thought. Actually, why didn't you, Lord, take a whole generation of idolaters out of the way and then the believers would come forward? Well, frankly, if you had that, you'd never have the Meshach, Shadmach, and Abednego story. You'd never have the Daniel, the Lion's Den story. You might say, yeah, but Tony, we'd have a much easier life as a church, wouldn't we? Yeah, but you'd have no testimony. You'd have no further experience of what God's called us. We are a fire people. We're a fire people. We're people called like Shabbat, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire and you're called into the lion's den. But the promise of God is, I am with you. I'm going ahead of you. And our testimony is that of Shabbat, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if our God does not save us, know this, O King, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. When we are in situations like we are now, and it's always true, this has always been true for the hard close of this, for all of Christianity's story, we never know the future. You don't need to know all the future to start making a move towards what God has called you. You have words over you as a people. First of all, you have the Great Commission. You have every promise in the Bible, every command that there is given to all the church. But then I know, because I know your leaders, there are words God's given you here specifically for this community and for you as he's gathered people that you're pressing into. And you might go, I don't understand you, how that's going to work. Gangus, how does that go? John, how does that go? I just like, just don't get it always. Don't worry about that. You don't need to understand everything. What you need to do is keep moving towards the call that God has given you. And I love Daniel's response when he heard him. Maybe the worship leader come back. And this is our response. When God actually does amazing things. And fun things can happen all the time when you start pressing into what God's doing. I was preaching at West Wickham Congregation a few weeks ago. Please pray for our West Wickham Congregation. We're effectively replanting that. It's quite small. We moved out of um, a school back into a high street situation and I was there preaching and one of the things I have to try not to do when I arrive is try and um, overwrite what the local leaders are saying uh, and what they're believing because they're every week loving the church, giving directions to the church um, and as I was worship I was just reminded of something Steve Whittington does in Birmingham which